This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Thanks for tuning in. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This is 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Paul says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Paul is calling for honest self-examination. I think one of the most frustrating things that we see from day to day, and one of the reasons for the political turmoil that just saturates the news these days is by and large due to a refusal by people from all sides to be objective and to be honest in their evaluations of others and uh, including themselves and their own parties. And this is one of the fundamental truths in Scripture that would go so far in solving so many problems is just our willingness to be objective and honest with ourselves. And certainly we can't have any reconciliation or relationship with God if we're unwilling to do that very thing. Remember in the parable of the prodigal son, the son who was lost was not able to come back until he came to himself, is what Jesus says. When he came to his senses and he looks at the reality of his situation in the pigsty and starving without money and totally destitute near death, does he finally confront who he is and what he's done and the reality of, of his choices. And then he, as Jesus says, comes to his senses and then you see his resolve to return to his father and to humble himself before his father and acknowledge his sin before his father and hope for reconciliation and, and, and that relationship to uh, be restored. And so I, I, Say that I think that to to say this that I think that this is a timely study and a needed study, really at all times for uh, for Christians. But I think it's been especially on my mind because of just the mudslinging that just pervades the news cycles these days. That it seems to be less about ideology as we think about you know this time of. It's voting season and it's time to, you know, vote for a new leader. And not just that, but there's, you know, there's always just a host of, you know, political uh, scandals and back and forth in the, in the media. And uh, you, there's this, it's less about ideology now than I think it's ever been. And it's really a, a question of, is there anybody who is trying to be, objective anymore is anybody who's just trying to be honest and present the facts and and analyze the facts anymore and make the best decision based upon that based upon their honest appraisal and evaluation of what what is happening and when we can't it just leads to ruin regardless of ideology i think uh because you know we're we're broken before we ever get out of the gate and that's true also, Scripture is saying here in our, our spiritual life, in regard to spiritual things. 
and our most important and most important relationship that we can have with with God. We we can't get anywhere. We can't make even begin to make progress if we can't honestly and humbly examine ourselves by His standard, by His objective truth, what the, what ultimate reality is. Right. So here's so herein is the purpose of this exam that that Paul talks about. Right. So it's not just examining for the sake of examining. But he says you need to be aligned with the faith. See whether or not you are in the faith and test yourself. And he says Christ is only in you. In other words, you only have fellowship with him if you meet the test. right? And, it, and it's his test. It's his measuring stick that we should be using against our, ourselves. You know, there's, a, there's an interesting comment that John makes in 3 John. Very short letter, right? Uh, and usually we single out Diotrephes, who's the, who's wreaking havoc in the church, and he's just being a dictator and you know shoving people out. And he's just he's slandering and all this. But there's another individual who's mentioned there by contrast, named Demetrius in verse twelve. And listen to what John says about Demetrius. He says Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, and he says from the truth itself. Think about that. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone, but most importantly, John emphasizes from the truth itself, by the objective, ultimate standard of God, the truth, Demetrius weighed against that is a good, it's the truth is it has a good testimony about this individual. In other words, he's aligned with it. Diotrephes, on the other hand, you weigh him against the truth, you get a different result. Right, and that's what John is doing um, in in that letter. So we have this responsibility; it's a tremendous responsibility, and ultimately, it comes down to our willingness to to be honest. You know, are we are we going to have the humility and the courage to do that? So let's talk about that. That's the purpose of the exam. We want to make a deliberate effort to remain in Christ, to be in Christ, and the Hebrew writer. Tells Christians that this is a constant effort as well, just like Paul is is doing there in Second Corinthians thirteen. The Hebrew writer is warning Christians in Hebrews two and verses one through four. He says we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received just rest- retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His His will. And the thought continues even into uh, chapter 3 of this letter. If you look in, verse, really throughout the letter, but chapter 3 and verse 12 specifically, he says, Take care, brothers lest there be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Right. So we have these warnings throughout Scripture. There is, there's a reason here that you need to examine yourself. There's a reason you need to pay attention to the truth. There's a reason you need to constantly be trying to realign your life and your your attitudes and your mindset and your behavior to the truth. Because 
retribution is coming, Hebrews 2 and verse 2, just as it always has been. And God has affirmed this truth time and time and time again. And he's done everything to restore us to himself, short of force us. Right, so that is why we, Hebrews 3.12, you and I have to take care. You and I have to pay close attention. Right, because if we're if we're not fighting pride, if we're not fighting negligence, then we're succumbing to those things. Right, so this is a, a deliberate effort, daily effort that we have to make and have to take take seriously, and recognize that there's not a single Christian, there's not a single person who is above or, or immune to this kind of uh, examination or, or who, who doesn't need, who has no need for this exercise, this ex- self-examination. It's, it's for everyone, and we have to be willing to acknowledge that first. All right, there's a purpose here. The purpose applies to us, and the responsibility is ours. And it has to be personal. You know, so often... You know, you know, the command is examine yourself, yourself, and I examine myself. Now, we are to help one another, and we'll talk about that here in, in, in just a moment. But first and foremost, it is my individual responsibility for me to look into the Word of God, see His standard, and evaluate myself according to that standard. I'm responsible for that. If I'm going to be critical of anyone I have to first begin with myself. I'm going to be critical of anyone. I have to begin with myself. Because if I can't do that, I'm not going to be of help to anyone. But let's get some Bible in here. Ezekiel chapter 18. Again, we're all responsible for ourselves. Ezekiel 18.20, you know this text. You say, why should the son suffer not for the iniquity of the father? Excuse me, suffer for the iniquity of the father. When the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe my statutes, he shall surely live. Verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor for the father suffer the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. That emphasizes that personal responsibility, doesn't it? The soul that sins shall die. And Scripture throughout affirms the individual nature of our responsibility. Right? What what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus says. You know, what 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 good is it if you gain the entire world but you lose yourself, you lose your, your soul? You are going to stand before him as an individual to be judged as an individual. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the deeds done, to be recompensed for the deeds done in the body, whether good or evil. And Paul affirms again in Romans 14, 12, each of us, notice individuals, each of us will give an account of himself singular to God. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. If I'm going to be critical of anyone, I've got to start with myself. And I've got to be honest with myself. I'm responsible. The soul that sins will die. 
and I alone will answer to Christ for what I have done. And Jesus reminds us what's going to happen if we're not as critical of ourselves as we are of others. If we're trying to use double standards, which again, that pervades our society and our politics, sadly. And, you know, it's, it's a problem. It's not a political problem merely. It's, it's a heart problem. It's a sin problem. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It's an often quoted text, but it's often, just as often misapplied, in my opinion, where Jesus says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So that's what I was alluding to earlier when I said I, I can't be of help to anybody else if I'm not first being critical of myself. right? So I, first of all, I have to look at God's word, use God's word as the standard in evaluating my own life, and do, be doing my very best to, to root out sin, recognize sin, and be done with it and turn away from it. And then I can help others. Right? But if I'm trying to use two different standards or I'm, or I'm acting like, well, I'm above one standard, but but here's where you need help, I that's ineffective. First of all, it doesn't do me any good, and I'm not going to be able to see clearly, Jesus says, to really help my brother. I'm just being a hypocrite. And so I have to ask questions like, what do I need to work on? What are my weaknesses? I need accountability. I, you know, I have to tell myself I need accountability as much as the next person. I, the examination has to be, first of all, personal. Right? There's a purpose, but far too often we're sitting in the pews or we're sitting in Bible class and we're listening and we're thinking, well, I sure am glad brother, sister, so-and-so is here to hear this. They really need to hear this, this message. And boy, they really got it in the wheelhouse today. No, we need to make everything personal. How, how does this sermon, how does this Bible class, how does what we're talking about here apply to me? Because if we're honest with ourselves, every single one of them does and should. In some form or fashion, the Word of God is for you and the Word of God is for, for me. So we can't get, we can't uh, allow ourselves to think that, you know, it's, it's more relevant to somebody else than this to me. No, it's equally relevant to all of us. And this next point I've made already in our study, but I'm going to make it again for the sake of emphasis and, and throw in some more passages here for us to think about. That when we are examining ourselves, it must be by the right standard. It can't be by other people. You know, we can't be comparing ourselves uh, to other people and their standards or their teachings, whatever that translates to. Let me give you an example from Isaiah, a text that we've heard a number of times. This is Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on, call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. But as for the heavens, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. All right, so my my opinions and my conclusions, um, and the, the people that I, I admire most don't don't hold a candle. They they don't even come close to what God says and the way God thinks and the standard that He has put before us. All right, I have to, I have to look to Him. That's what Isaiah is emphasizing first in that context. Verse six: Seek the Lord. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of other people feel or think and their philosophies and their best reasoning that they have to offer, seek the Lord. What are his thoughts and ways? Jeremiah 10, 23. I know, Lord, that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. It's not in us, and that requires humility to admit right because it's one of the hardest things i think for people to do is to admit that they they've been wrong even even with regard to trivial things not just like the weighty things but even just being re- wrong about you know sport a sport fact or something like that it's just we're so prideful it's it's hard for us to admit that we're wrong about anything but if we can't do that we're never going to make any progress progress we're never going to to learn and, and and grow as we should spiritually, because we can't learn what we think we already know. All right, we're we're going to be sitting there, like I mentioned in, in the pews earlier, thinking, "Well, this is this is for somebody else. This doesn't apply to me today. We've got that nailed. We need to dig a little deeper and be brutally honest. You now, the standard is is for me." Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Right, so he's, that's an apostle. That's an inspired apostle speaking about himself. And he says, I don't know. I'm not aware of anything against myself right now, but he's acknowledging that's not the standard. That's not the final and ultimate authority. God is. And so I need to constantly concern myself with what he says. Acts 26, 9 through 11, he says, this is Paul again speaking. He says, I was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus in Nazareth. I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in all the synagogues, tried to make them blaspheme. In a raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And Paul will say in Acts 23 that he had lived with a perfectly good conscience up to that day. And I think that he is including what he had done previously as a Pharisee. Right? He says in verse 9 there that we read in Acts 26, he was totally convinced that he had to do all sorts of things, even kill people to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Right? So... He had some deep-seated influences, right? He and he taught. He's open about that. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, he was a Pharisee. He was advancing beyond his beyond his peers. He had all these influences of men. He had been taught that, that one of the best teachers by the best teachers, <clears throat> Gamaliel, was one of the best known rabbis of the day. 
And nevertheless, he was wrong, notwithstanding any of that. He, he was wrong, which he freely and openly admits, right? So doctrines of men, other people, previous ways of thinking, our own families, any and everything we can think of and name and mention is not the ultimate standard. God, God's word is the standard by which we have to examine ourselves. You know, Paul will warn warn against this continually. Uh, in places like Second Corinthians ten twelve, he says, "We're not, we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are committing themselves." That was an issue in that church. Remember, they had people who were exalting themselves and then downplaying Paul's authority and his apostleship and saying all kinds of nasty things about him, that he wasn't genuine and blah, blah, blah. And Paul is calling them out here. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not going to compare myself with others. Like there are some of you who are doing there who are committing themselves. He says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. And then if you drop down to verse 18, he says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the, but the one whom the Lord commends, right? So how many different ways does the Holy Spirit repackage the same point over and over again? I don't know, but we've seen it a lot. We've seen it a lot already. And so what does that tell us about our own hard-headedness? You know, how many times Paul had to say that to churches and to different... I mean, he's writing to Christians. Right, so that should that should humble us. It should make me take a step back and and say, man, he had to say that so much. And connect the dots here and realize that means I need, that's because I need to hear it that much. You know, we, by ourselves, we just, if left to ourselves and our own attitudes, we get ourselves into so much trouble. Because we, we think we plateaued, we think we've, arrived and we're constantly comparing ourselves with other people and we say well at least I'm not as bad as old brother so and so and and it's and it's exactly what the devil wants to hear Jesus says the one who rejects me and does not receive my words as a judge the word that I have spoken will judge him at the last day All right let's move on the examination also has to be thorough so we know the purpose, we know the attitude that we need to have, we know that it needs to be directed at self first, and we know that it needs to be by the right standard. Uh, but we have to be thorough in our our search. We have to be, you know, I, I use the we use the term brutally honest sometimes. And I think that sort of captures what scripture is driving at. For example, Psalm 139. David says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Right, so David is inviting. Right, by what he's praying for, we see that he's he's embracing and inviting this scrutiny. Look, look in me, O God. Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there's any grievous way in me. That should be a prayer that we pray as well. With along with the follow-up, then lead me in the everlasting way. Sometimes we don't want to probe any any uh, deeper, or we are going to be we try to be satisfied with just half truths about 
ourselves or with withholding something um, just to try and save save face specifically when we're confessing sin but we have to understand that we're not helping ourselves and and God despises that kind of that kind of heart Right, David says, you desire truth in the, the innermost parts. And so that means I have to be diligent, not only in knowing God's will, but in this examination. I have to be tough. I can't give myself any quarter. Right, And I think that also has to, you know, that could also harken back to our discussion with in regard to double standards that Jesus has talked about in Matthew chapter 7. We're often tempted, I think, to give ourselves a lot more quarter than we are with with others, and that that's a double standard. No, don't don't give yourself any quarter. John says this in in First John one, beginning in verse seven. He says, "If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so John is, I think, being very clear. If if you want fellowship with Christ and I want fellowship with Christ, if I want the cleansing power of his blood to apply to me and forgiveness, then there has to be this continual acknowledgement of my, my sin verse 9 because if i'm ever in a state of denial verse 8 if i say i have no sin well then i'm just living a lie truth is not in me i can say i know and love jesus all day long but if i'm unwilling to be candid and honest and straightforward about my weakness and my sin and, and what i struggle with well then i can't i can't have the blessing that John is talking about your fellowship with Jesus and forgiveness of since being cleansed from all unrighteousness. And in fact, the implication I'm making in verse 10 is if I'm in that state of denial is that I'm saying Jesus is a liar. Right, so I, I have to be willing to, to take a long, hard look in the mirror of his word. As James describes, I think, in James one twenty three, if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forget, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer uh, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And so what? Uh, you know, I'm going to find some unsightly things as I look into the perfect law of liberty. Some unsightly things about myself, I should say. Right, the law is perfect, um, but I I can't I can't just forget. I can't just pretend. Okay, yeah, I see it, but or as we discussed earlier, think well, that's just for somebody else. No, what? How does this apply to me? And how can I do? Even if it, even if it's something that I'm already striving to do okay how can i do how can i do it better what other opportunities are there for me to improve or to serve in this regard and 
lastly, let me say again that this has to be continuous. That's the idea that's contained in that very first passage that we read in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, where Paul says, examine yourselves. It's in the, the present active tense in the original language, which means he's saying, keep on examining yourselves. It's, it's progressive. And as James says here, um, we should continue to practice the perfect law of liberty. Christians have to ever be striving for the ideal, which is perfectly manifested in Christ himself, fixing our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. But in order to effectively strive for that ideal and to make progress, we have to continuously test ourselves. And remember why the Bible is calling us to do that. And remember that it has to be extremely personal. And that we can't allow foreign influences, whether it be past opinions or family family members or a favorite elder or a favorite preacher, to outweigh what the Word of God says. And when we find ourselves lacking, and we always will, we can't give ourselves any quarter, but resolve to to do better. And as John teaches us, continually to pray for forgiveness where we know we're falling short so that we can maintain our fellowship with Jesus. Because we can't we can't find salvation apart from Him. We can't be forgiven apart from Him. We need Him to intercede for us. He promises that He will in Hebrews 7.25. And he promises that he will cause us to grow. In 1 Peter 2 verses 1 and 2, long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow by it in respect to salvation. And again in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Faithful Sayings.